Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. While Liam comes up, Vishal is going to come and read uh, the passage for us. The passage for today is the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 8, starting from verse 1 to 4, and then the same chapter, verse 14 to 17. So, Gospel of Matthew, chapter 8, starting from verse 1. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, a large crowd followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing. He said, be clean. Immediately, he was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Verse 14. When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her and she got up and began to wait on him. When the evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with the word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. Fantastic. Wow, it is great to be here. Um, I mean, it's great to be introduced as a young man. Thank you, Tim. Uh, A young man who's been coming here for about 11 years. Yeah, I think I was about six the first time I preached here, and uh, (laughs) you you laughed a little too hard at that. Um, It is a privilege to be here. It's really great, and it's amazing to see you all together. And actually, I think the first time I ever came was a CCM day, and it was on a Saturday, and you all fit in Luther King House. So my, how you've grown. Like This is amazing to see you all here today. Uh, And weirdly enough, um, my church has a similar day going on today where we're gathering a whole load of churches together, and our guest speaker is none other than Colin Barron. So um, I dodged that bullet, didn't I? (laughs) That was worth driving a few hundred miles for. Um, No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm sure he said the same about me. Um, but it's great to be here. And uh, just, yeah, and actually, weirdly enough, I think the fact that I'm here and Colin's there is a picture of something quite significant, which is that it's not just that I get to come and hopefully be a blessing to you, but you guys are a huge blessing to me as well. Um, you know, when Tim said, you are a generous church, that's, that is the word that I think of when I think of you. You are a generous church in so many ways. And I don't know whether you know this or whether you feel this, but you have so much influence uh, beyond Manchester. You've helped so many people. Uh, we have been so blessed. But when we had Tim come and speak to us in February, he was amazing. I know that's hard to believe, but he really was. And, you know, if you can believe that, like, we're going to see miracles today. <laughs> There's faith in the room for that. No, he genuinely was. And, um, and Colin today serving us. Like, you are influencing uh, way beyond your reach, uh, way beyond this reach that you see in Manchester. And I'm grateful to have received from you, to learn from you. And it's a privilege to be back here to bless you, hopefully, a little bit. Uh, so we're going to talk today about the subject of healing. Uh, this is what Tim has asked me to speak on. And actually, it's an area that excites me and makes me a little nervous at the same time. It's an area that I've been growing in faith for. 
And actually, I have the privilege in Oxford of leading something called School of the Spirit, which is a six-month program where we teach people to pray for the sick and listen to God and all those sorts of things. And we are three weeks in, and already we're just seeing some amazing healings, uh, more than I have time to tell you about. People healed from back pain, from knee pain, from skin conditions, from food intolerances. Just one story. Our first night, this is like intro night, not even preaching properly, just intro to the course. One lady is so filled with faith. She goes home that night to her daughter who has eczema all over her body. She prays for her, gets up the next morning. Her skin is completely clean. (laughs) Just amazing. So the second night, she shares this story and then just unprompted during the coffee break thinks, I'm going to go out and pray for people on the streets. So like, I didn't know that was going on. She's out praying for people left, right and centre. There's so much faith and expectancy that Jesus is going to heal. You know what's weird? We haven't even taught on healing yet. I didn't do that until January. (laughs) Yet for some reason, Jesus did not respect my timetable, (laughs) which is good. He doesn't. He loves to heal. And I believe that he is going to heal today. And actually, we've sung and we've celebrated about the freedom that he brings. And I love that, even if I only understood about 50% of what we sang. I say amen to most of it, uh, all of it. Like, there is freedom, there is power in the name and in the blood of Jesus. And I believe we're going to see people healed and set free today. So, let's leap into this subject of healing. Healing was a significant part of Jesus' ministry. Actually, nearly a fifth of the material in the Gospels is about Jesus healing people and setting them free. And in Acts chapter 10, when Peter summarizes the life and ministry of Jesus, he says this, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. That's quite a summary statement. Of all the things Peter could have drawn attention to, his amazing teaching, multiplication of food, he talks about healing as a significant thing that Jesus came to do. Healing people who were under the power of the evil one. See, Jesus, throughout his life and ministry, went head to head with all the powers that held people captive, taking them down one by one, healing everyone who was under the power of the evil one. It will not have escaped your attention, but we live in a world that is filled with pain, that is filled with sickness and sorrow and death. And that is not the way that God intends this world to be. And so when Jesus came to earth, he was coming to show us that God intends not to leave this world to the mess that it's in, but rather he has a plan to come and rescue and restore it. See, the Bible begins and ends with a picture of the world that looks completely different to the world in which we inhabit now. It opens with a picture of a world in which there is no sin, no sickness, no sorrow, no pain, no death, only wholeness, peace. The Hebrew word is shalom. And it ends with a picture of the world pretty much in the same state. No sickness, no sin, no suffering, no pain, no death, only peace forevermore. But we find ourselves in between those two worlds, in between the bookends of scripture, in a world that is actually filled with pain. What went wrong? Well, in a nutshell, this is the whole story of scripture very, very quickly. (laughs) Genesis 1 and 2. God created us and gave us authority to rule over and care for this good world that he had created on his behalf. Genesis 3. What did humanity do? We turned our back on God and we gave that authority over to the serpent who deceived us. And from that moment, the authority that we had to rule over God's good world was given to another, given to the enemy. 
And since that moment, it's like he's tried to establish his kingdom on the earth, stealing, killing, and destroying every good thing that God had created in this world. That's how we find ourselves in the world that we're in now. And it's into this pain-filled world that Jesus stepped with a message of salvation. And his message was not that he had come to take us out of this world, but rather he has come to save us by taking out of this world every shred of the work of the enemy. All of sin, all of sickness, all of death. He's come to get it out of this earth so that we can enjoy the wholeness for which God created us. And he said that one day God will establish fully his kingdom. His rule and his reign, the enemy will have no authority and there will be no sin, no sickness, no suffering, no pain, no death for eternity. You with me? That's the story of scripture. And this message of the kingdom and of salvation was not just something that Jesus talked about. It was something he demonstrated through his actions. He preached a message of the kingdom and then he healed people so that they could experience the reality of that message he taught. When Jesus prayed for people and saw them healed, he would often say that the kingdom of God had come upon them. He would say that the kingdom is here. The kingdom is at hand. It's not just distant in the future. It's breaking into the here and now. The kingdom of God, that perfect, eternal place of wholeness was breaking into this broken world and people could experience in their bodies what God was one day going to do for all creation. And when Jesus healed people, he often said, your faith has saved you. Not just healed you, saved you. Because we can often think of salvation as just being a spiritual thing that happens to us, you know, to do with our souls and forgiveness. and that. It is that, but it's so much more. Jesus' plan of salvation included rescue for every part of us. Our minds, our bodies, our emotions, our souls. He is committed to rooting out everything that stands in the way of us experiencing the shalom of God. He has come to fight back against everything the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. In fact, he said this, John 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Every time Jesus set someone free, Every time he healed someone, it was like something of that future age broke into the here and now. So that he could experience in small part what one day all creation will experience in full. Now that was a very quick summary of, well, the whole Bible. (laughs) It's a very big ideas. And I am sure that with healing, this raises a whole load of questions for people. Questions that I won't have time to grapple with in the sort of way I'd love to today with the sensitivity and pastoral nuance that I would love to. And you may have big theological questions. You may have personal questions, practical questions. I'm sorry that I can't address those quickly in this short time, but if it helps, actually I spoke on School of Discipleship earlier this year and uh, you can check out the recording for that or sign up for this year uh, unless I mess up really badly today. I think I'm meant to be back to teach on it again. Um, but like, hopefully that will help a little bit. Come and talk to me at the end. But what I want to do in just the short amount of time we have is draw out three things about Jesus the healer that we see in this passage we just heard read. And then we're going to pray. And I expect that we're going to encounter him. I expect that he's going to heal people today. One person agrees with me. (laughs) Thanks, Vix. I anticipate that we are going to meet the king today and his kingdom is going to come in this room. So three things about Jesus the healer. The first thing we see in this passage is this. Jesus was able to heal. In fact, Jesus is able to heal. 
In this passage, Jesus heals a number of people. In fact, for time, we skipped over one of them, but he heals a centurion servant as well. He is constantly healing people. He heals someone with leprosy. He heals Peter's mother-in-law. He heals a whole village worth of people. We don't even know how many that is. Jesus is able to heal anyone and everyone. In fact, you can turn to pretty much any page of the Gospels and find him doing just that. Jesus never encountered anyone and he said, oh, that one's a little too hard for me. Like he could heal every part of every person. He opened blind eyes, he opened deaf ears, he even raised the dead. Jesus is able to heal every part of every person. In Mark chapter 9, a father comes to him with his son and he says, Jesus, if you can, would you heal my son? And Jesus is like, Sorry, if, if I can, <laughs> everything is possible for the one who believes. This man came doubting Jesus' ability. Jesus brushes that away. There is nothing that he is unable to heal. Jesus is able to heal anyone and everyone who comes to him. I love the way he interacts with that guy at the start of Matthew 8, the leper. The leper comes to him and, you know, leprosy is a horrible skin disease, really prevalent at the time of Jesus. And it wasn't just something that affected your body, it affected all of your life. If you had leprosy, you weren't allowed to hang out with your community. You had to live outside of your community until you were deemed to be clean again. Imagine the social stigma and the shame attached to that. You had to tear your clothes as a sign that you were unclean so that people would stay away. I'm quite conscious of that with your lovely ripped jeans. I'm, <laughs> if I'm standing over here, you know, just think what message you might be giving off. But there we go. Like you would have to walk, I'm kidding. You'd have to walk through the streets and you would shout unclean, unclean so that everyone would know that is someone to stay away from because if I get too close, I might be infected. Imagine that, what that does to someone's soul, <laughs> to someone's well-being. Under the Old Testament law, if you touch someone who had leprosy, you would become unclean. And so here is Jesus, and the guy comes to him and says, would you heal me? And what does Jesus do? He reaches out and he touches him, and immediately he's cleaned. I love that. Jesus breaks the boundaries of that day. And under the Old Testament law, Jesus should have been made unclean. Instead, what happens is the leper becomes clean. Why? Because the power that is in Jesus is far greater than the power that held him captive. And in that moment, everything changes about his life. He doesn't just get salvation for one part of him. Everything changes. He's reconciled back into relationship with his community. He's able to worship again at the temple and he is made new. And in his body in that moment, he gets to experience something of what one day all creation will experience in full. Jesus is able to heal. In fact, we're often told in the Gospels that power came out of Jesus to heal. There are various references. I'll stick them on the screen and look them up. Just make sure I'm not making this stuff up. Regularly, power came out of Jesus to heal. He had power to heal anybody and everybody. And in fact, many times in the Gospels, we are told that Jesus healed everyone who came to him. Not just one or two, everyone who came to him. Various references. Again, look them up and I got bored typing them out after a while. Like Jesus healed everyone who came to him. Sometimes that was people in their twos and threes. Sometimes it was a whole village worth. We have no stories in the Gospels of anyone ever coming to Jesus and him saying, ah, I'm not sure about you. I don't think I've got what it takes to heal you. Jesus is able to heal every part of every person. Look at verse 16. Matthew 8, when evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him and he drove out the spirits with the word and healed all the sick. Say all. Do you know what that word means in the Greek? 
all. It means all. Like Jesus healed everyone. There's no trick. There's no like small, he healed everyone who came to him. We have no accounts in the gospels of anyone ever coming to Jesus and him turning them away or being unable to heal. Jesus could heal anyone who came to him. Now he didn't heal everyone on earth. And there are times where he went into a place and he picked out someone to heal them. But what we don't ever find is a story of someone coming and Jesus saying, no, I'm unable to heal you. Everyone who came to Jesus for healing left changed. Now I'll level with you. That's not my experience. (laughs) And I doubt it's your experience either. And I think that is part of the painful mystery of this world in which we find ourselves. Between the two bookends of scripture, of God's perfect world. This in-between is a painful place to be. We know that the kingdom of God is breaking in, but it's not yet here in full. And Jesus was able to heal everyone who came to him because he is the perfect embodiment of the kingdom. He is the king. I am not the king. (laughs) And so when I pray for people, yes, I see many healed, not as many as I would love. And that is painful. And I know that when Jesus returns and establishes his kingdom in full, then healing will be uncontested forever. And all of us will experience full healing forevermore when Jesus returns to make things new. That's not our experience now. But when faced with the gap between our experience and what the Bible seems to show us about Jesus, I would put it to you that the answer is not to lower our expectations to the level of our experience, but rather, hard though it feels, to raise our faith to be in line with his word. And that is challenging, and that is painful, and it is fraught with disappointment, but I think it's what we're meant to do. And you and I may not see as much healing now as Jesus will when he returns, and as much as he did when he walked the face of the earth, but actually it doesn't rest on us. All he told us to do was to pray his prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. We pray that, it's down to him to answer it. And sure there is mystery, but I want you to be under no doubt that Jesus is able to heal anyone and everyone. And our task is to continue his work of confronting the brokenness of the world, but by praying that God's future reality would break into the here and now. Jesus is able to heal. You with me? Second thing we see is this. Jesus is not only able to heal, but he is also willing to heal. In Mark chapter 9, the father comes and he says, if you're able, and Jesus is like, seriously, I'm able. (laughs) Here is the, the, the opposite problem. The leper knows that Jesus is able to heal. What he questions is his willingness to heal. So he says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And honestly, I think that's probably where most of us find ourselves. I I imagine that all of us have had moments where we have prayed for something, prayed for healing, and it's not seemed to have been answered the way we were longing for. And what most of us don't conclude in that moment is that God is unable to heal. Like most of us know that he is able to do it. What we question is whether he was actually willing to do it. I think that's where most of us find ourselves. Do you agree? I often find myself there. And what happens is that often we pray for something and when it doesn't seem to happen the way we hoped, we start to try and rationalise that in our minds. And we think, well, maybe maybe it's something to do with me. Maybe there's some hidden problem in my life or maybe I didn't have enough faith or maybe 
Maybe God's trying to teach me a lesson. Maybe he gave me this illness to teach me something. And these are all ways of trying to rationalise that gap that we experience between our experiences and what we seem to see in scripture. And so often we end up praying like the leper. Lord, if it's your will. Which sounds like a very holy prayer to pray, doesn't it? Like, Lord, I'm fully submitted to you. I don't want to presume. It sounds holy. Often it's a mask of the fact that, if we're honest... It's not only that we don't necessarily know what God's will is, but actually we suspect probably isn't his will to heal me. And so it's a way of giving him a get-out clause and a way of guarding my heart against disappointment. I think that's often what's going on in me when I pray prayers like the leper. Lord, if it's your will. Secretly I'm thinking, it probably isn't. What if there was a better way to pray? You know, God in his grace and his mercy, he answers prayers like that, no matter how little faith that they have. But I think Jesus' response to the leper shows us that that is not the right way to pray. What does Jesus say? The leper comes, he says, if you are willing, Jesus says, I am willing, be clean. Notice he doesn't pause and look at the leper and go, well, let me ask you a few questions first. Uh, Because, you know, the basis of your answers, I'll decide whether I'm willing. So when did you last sin? (laughs) Or uh, on a scale of one to 10, how high is your faith? None of those questions. He didn't look for faith in the leper. He simply said, I'm willing. Jesus' willingness didn't depend at all on the leper. Jesus was willing because he was willing, (laughs) because he is the loving, kind, good, powerful king who gave his whole life to come and root out the works of the evil one. And so Jesus was willing, not on the basis of what he saw in the leper. He was willing because he is willing. He is a kind, good, merciful God. And what's more, Jesus didn't say to the leper, sure, but just on this occasion. And don't let the word get out because I'm not always willing. Like Jesus didn't say anything like that. I think we are meant to take from this statement the belief that actually it's Jesus' general will and posture to heal us. We don't see anywhere in scripture anyone coming to Jesus and him saying, you know what, I don't think I'm willing to heal you. And I tell you what we definitely don't see. We never see a time in scripture where Jesus says, actually, it's God's will for you to be sick. We never see that. Jesus consistently saw sickness as being the work of the enemy that he had come to destroy, not the will of God. I believe that if we look at the stories of Jesus and if all we had to go on, leaving aside our experience for a moment, if all we had to go on were the stories of Jesus and the teaching of the New Testament, we would conclude that Jesus is always both able and willing to heal. Now, I know that is not our experience. It is not my experience. And that is part of the painful mystery of living in anticipation of Jesus' return. And as I have stepped out in praying for people more regularly, I have seen loads of people healed. And I've also seen loads of people not healed. And you know what would be the easiest thing if I didn't want the disappointment of not seeing people healed? The easiest thing would be not to pray for people. (laughs) But Jesus doesn't give us that option. He taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. And to live with the mystery. Uh, Many of you will have met my wife who often gets to come up with us. Uh, Helen, she's had chronic fatigue for about 11 years or so. Um, and I've prayed for her thousands of times, like every day for 11, I can't do the maths, that's a lot of times. (laughs) And we've seen moments of breakthrough and moments of healing, but nowhere near what I'm longing for. And it hurts me to know that I have prayed and prayed and prayed and not seen answers to that, and yet I can lay hands on someone with a damaged shoulder and they're healed in an instant. 
And I don't know why that is. But Jesus doesn't ask me to understand why. He just asks me to pray. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth as in heaven. I believe that scripture says that he is willing to heal anyone who comes to him. And so if he's willing to heal, then I am willing to pray. And to live with that mystery. I know there'll be people in this room who carry huge disappointments in the area of healing. And it may well be that you're sitting there thinking, oh man, if I knew that's what we were talking about today, I wouldn't have come. I wish I could give you an easy answer. I can't. But what I do want to encourage you with with every fiber of my being is don't lower your expectations to the level of your experience. But look at Jesus and try and raise your faith to the level of what we see there. Jesus is able to heal and he is willing to heal. And every time we experience healing now, it reminds us, oh, this is just a little taste of what he's going to do for, for the, all of creation, for all eternity. He is able to heal and he's willing to heal and one day we'll see that in full. And every time we pray and we don't experience healing, it's a reminder that we're not yet there in the new creation. But he is still able to heal. He is still willing to heal. And one day he will heal in full. Our task is to pray, your kingdom come. Your will be done. And actually, despite the mystery, I think we should pray that prayer not as if it's like the toss of a coin with a 50-50 chance. (laughs) I think we can actually pray that prayer with faith and confidence. And I believe that the more we pray that, the more our faith rises, the more we're able to trust Jesus, I think we should end up seeing more healing than less. Why? Because healing doesn't just rest on his character, it actually rests on his cross as well, on his victory. We've already sung about this today, the power in the blood of Jesus, the power in the victory of Jesus. That's the third thing we see here. Jesus is able to heal, he is willing to heal, and thirdly, he gave his life to heal. Matthew 8, verse 16. Jesus drove out the spirits with the word and he healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. Now Matthew is quoting from the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, one of the most famous passages about the cross. We know this well, we read it every Easter and probably many times in between. This is what it says in context. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering, familiar with pain. He knows what it's like to experience pain. What a thing to say about God. (laughs) He knows the pain that you're going through. He's not indifferent to it. He experienced it himself. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. See, the Hebrew words there, they're not just sort of vague spiritual words. They literally refer to illness and infirmity and pain, which is why Matthew translates it infirmities and diseases. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we were healed. This passage is looking ahead to what Jesus would do at the cross. And we tend to think of the cross as being about Jesus dealing with our sins so that we can experience forgiveness. And it is that, but it's about so much more than that. Jesus didn't simply bear our sins so we could be forgiven. He also bore our sickness so we could be healed. That's what Isaiah says here. 
Actually, in verses 11 and 12, Isaiah uses the very same word to describe Jesus carrying our sin as he did in verse 4 to describe him carrying our sickness. He did both of those things, and of course he did. They're related. Because the reason that we have sickness in the world is because of the presence of sin. And Jesus' plan for salvation was never just a spiritual one. He intends to root out every work of the enemy, sickness and sin. And so at the cross, Jesus came to take all of the punishment and all of the consequences of sin and to deal with it all in his body. Not just the essence of sin, but the effects of sin as well. That's what Isaiah is saying. That's what Matthew is confirming. But here's the riddle. If Isaiah 53 is saying that Jesus did that at the cross, how on earth can Matthew say that he was fulfilling that by healing the sick years before the cross? I think the answer is the whole of Jesus' life was a fulfillment of this. As he entered into our world, becoming familiar with our suffering and our pain. All of it was taking upon himself the brokenness of this world so he could deal with it once and for all. Jesus, who had no sin of his own and no need to experience any of the effects of sin, he carried it the whole of his life. Everyone he met, he took it from them. And at the cross, it all came to a point where Jesus bore in his body the fullness of sin, both its essence and its effects. And at the cross, in the body of Jesus, sin was nailed to the cross. Sickness was nailed to the cross. The work of the enemy was nailed to the cross. Jesus took the full curse of sin and he took it to the grave and he left it there. And three days later, he rose again from the dead as the ultimate sign of God's inbreaking kingdom that the enemy does not have ultimate victory or authority in this earth. But God has come to make all things new. He will crush the enemy under his foot and with him all his greatest tools of sin, of sickness and death. Jesus came to deal with them all, to show that he, the king, is ultimately victorious and that the thief who came to steal, kill and destroy is being overthrown because Jesus has come so that we can have life to the full. And so when we come to pray for the sick, it's not just a, oh, will he, I don't know, it's a toss of a coin as if it might or might not happen. Victory has been won by Jesus. And sure, we might not see all of that until he comes back. But I think we can have confidence that his blood is powerful enough to heal anyone and everyone. Every part of every person. If you can believe in the cross of Christ and believe that it has power to deal with your sin, the worst of your sins, you can believe that the cross of Christ has power to deal with the most heinous sickness. Jesus is victorious. And so, yes, we live with the mystery. We live with that longing. Lord, I want to see more of your kingdom. And it hurts me when I don't see that. You know what? It hurts him as well. <laughs> but he has done everything required to win the victory. There is power in the blood of Jesus. The enemy has far less power than he would like us to believe. And so we can pray in confidence, your kingdom come. Your will be done. In this school hall, as in heaven. Should we do that?
Maybe the band could come back up. Here's, here's what I love us to do. We're going to worship. And this is not like a musical interlude before we get to the prayer. This is actually part of it. Because this is our way of fixing our eyes on Jesus and celebrating who he is, what he is like, his good character, the power of the cross. And as we sing, it does something to us. It fixes our eyes on him, off ourselves and onto him. And once we have worshipped for a bit, I'm going to come and I'm going to lead us in prayer and we're going to pray for one another. And I believe that we're going to see people healed today. Why? In fact, say this with me, because Jesus is able to heal. Jesus is willing to heal. Jesus gave his life to heal. So why don't we stand? We're going to worship and then we're going to ask for a demonstration of the kingdom of God in this place. So come Holy Spirit. Help us now to fix our eyes on Jesus. And I pray that distractions and disappointments would be banished from our minds as we just focus on you. And would faith rise in this place today? King of kings, walk among us. We're excited to see what you'll do. But right now, first, we just want to honor you. Receive our praise and adoration. Be glorified. Amen.